Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Lent to all of you this Monday, March the 28th, as the light of Christ shines on us as we study and pray the Psalms. We are on Psalm 130 and 131. Yep, we're keep praying is our focus. We've been plowing through Matthew since December. We're looking at ending after Easter and slowly going through the richness of what the Lord has to give to us in that blessed gospel. But part of that is to take a step back to pray the Psalter. And this week, we look at these Psalms 100 and 131, and we join the whole church knowing that when we pray, it is our Heavenly Father who listens to us as a dear father listens to his dear children. And this is a, these Psalms are, are commonly defined as a Psalm of trust and an individual lament to the Lord. So I, I encourage you, our listeners, to take this time not only to study, but also to pray. If you're anything like me, I need time to focus myself back to actually pray. And here is your opportunity. And the Lord has come to us to give us this chance to be in his word. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. lhfmissions.org. Helping us be strengthened by God's word this morning, we have the joy and honor of having with us for the first time Pastor Aaron Stinnett of Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Pastor Stinnett, blessed Lent and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So, Pastor, uh, this is our first time together and you are the first guest from the great state of Rhode Island. So congratulations on that, on my time here in my strong word. <laughs> Thank you. It's an honor. Yeah, it is a joy to have you. So Pastor, tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at Our Redeemer. Okay, well, I've been blessed to be uh, serving the saints um, at Our Redeemer for a little over a year and a half now. Um, I've been serving as a pastor for um, coming up on 17 years. Uh, before that, I had a, a career um, as a professor of public health policy. I'm blessed to uh, have a, a wonderful, loving, faithful wife, um, and we've been blessed with three children. Uh, one who graduated um, this last year from Hillsdale College and is now working in Grand Rapids. Um, one who will graduate this year from Hillsdale. And then we have a daughter at home who will be leaving the summer to begin studying at um, Purdue University. Um, and uh, I also, we also are blessed to have my mother living with us. Um, she's been a great help over the years. Um, in a little bit uh, more extended family information, my, um, I have one brother, an older brother, Eric, and uh, he is also uh, a Missouri Synod pastor, and he's been serving for the last six years um, in theological education uh, missions, uh, teaching at the Makaniyesu Seminary in Ethiopia. Um, that tells you a little bit my fam about my family. In terms of my church family, uh, the saints at Our Redeemer um, have been a very welcoming, supportive uh, church family uh, as my family and I have come here in, in the last year and a half. Um, very dedicated to God's word. This is an area where there's not a strong uh, Lutheran presence or Lutheran history. And so people who end up 
in the Lutheran church here, very often it is because they've been drawn by the beliefs, um, by the gospel that we have there. And so it's a very committed, faithful group and uh, very committed to sharing the message and the mercy of Christ, um, working to share God's love through um, doing things like lo supporting a local women's pregnancy center. Uh, right now we're gathering items to provide Easter baskets to some families in the community that can use some help. Uh, but it's uh, a very loving and faithful church family. Well, Pastor, it is, you know, it's a great reminder to us and a reminder to our listeners as to how, you know, many of us are in the, in the middle of the United States, lots of Lutherans around us, which brings the joys and struggles, but also, wow, there is a New England and it's not just, you know, the Bob Newhart show, um, <laughs> that there's more out there. Rhode Island is one of those states that many of us have never been, but how great it is to know God's word is still at work and God's people are still being faithful. So I encourage our listeners Pray for the saints at our Redeemer, for all the churches in, I guess you say, non-Lutheran land. It's not just that they're not around Lutherans. There's probably just not a lot of churches or a lot of Christian people necessarily either, which is why the mission is even more important. So, Pastor, um, we well, we're here to be in God's Word. So let's begin our time by praying our first psalm. Today we'll have two psalms. Our first psalm is Psalm 130. To our, get, to our listeners, we'll be praying this from the English Standard Version, version uh, 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 interpretation, not interpretation, um, um, version. And as we pray this, a reminder to our listeners, when you read and pray a psalm, you are praying. And so let's remember that as we go. And we, at Psalm 130, we hear the word of our Lord and we pray. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. As we have heard these words, and hear these words once again, we pray, and the Psalms are important. They're, they're a part that we have often um, in a worship service. It's something that we hear often. You'll see like um, they would give out Bibles with the New Testament and the Psalms. So that it's obviously a very important piece. We sing them. We know them. Um, but pastor, from your experience as a pastor and, and as a Christian person, why are the Psalms important to the individual Christian and to the corporate life of the church? Yeah, I think a, a helpful starting point is to look back and see uh, how dear the Psalms were to Jesus. You know, in, in his life on this earth, you know, we we find him, for example, when they were leaving the upper room on Monday Thursday uh, to make their way towards the Garden of Gethsemane, we're, we're told before making their way out, uh, they sang a psalm together. And then the next day, uh, as he's on the cross, we find Jesus turning to the psalms, we find him praying the psalms. Uh, we might think especially of Psalm 22, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, but then also, Jesus, the last words recorded um, that Jesus spoke um, 
before his death were uh, praying a portion of Psalm 31. when He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so we see Jesus turning to it as uh, uh, a rich part of his prayer life. And when we see how precious it was to Jesus, then as those who are, are in Christ and as the body of Christ, then we know they should be precious to us too. And so it has uh, certainly uh, been found over the years that um, just as Jesus found them to be a dear uh, source that he could turn to, uh, that's been true for the church at large and for individual Christians uh, throughout the history of the church. It's been the church's uh, prayer book and the church's hymn book. Um, and for individuals, it's it's many have found special comfort uh, in the Psalms. Um, the Psalms have a unique ability or uh, to speak to whatever the experiences are that we're going through in life. You know, that if you are, you know, uh, feeling so joyful that it's like you're walking on the clouds, there are Psalms that can express that joy. If you, as we'll see today, if you feel like you are sunk down in the depths, then there are Psalms that give voice to that. You know, if you're feeling worried or feel fearful or uh, thankful or just thoroughly confused, there are Psalms that uh, give voice to all of those things. Um, and so we, it's encouraging partly to see the faithful men of the past, that they had those same experiences that we do, um, but also to see words that sometimes can take what we're feeling and express it in a way where we might otherwise have a difficult time knowing quite how to put it into words. Um, so it's, it's a great source of, um, of, of deep meaningful uh, connection and, and comfort. Um, there's a, Martin Luther was speaking once about this uh, and he said, where do we find finer words of joy than in the Psalms of praise and thanksgiving? On the other hand, where do you find deeper words of sorrow than in the Psalms of lamentation? So too, when they speak of fear and hope, they use such words that no painter could so depict fear or hope. This is the reason why the Psalter is the book of all saints. Everyone, in whatever situation he may be, finds in it psalms and words that fit his situation. They fit so precisely it is as if they were placed there just for his sake, so that he himself could not put it any better, nor could he find or wish for anything better. Uh, so, and as we see there, uh, since, uh, since the time of Jesus, saints down through the centuries have found them to be um, very, have to have a very special place in their prayer life, their devotional life. We certainly see that in Luther. Um, as we get into Psalm 130 today, we will kind of come back to that, but also um, give some other examples of, of where people have turned to the Psalms in, in cer at certain times in their own life experience. One interesting part of Psalm 130, in my mind, is that Luther, what I was reading was kind of asked, you know, what are the best Psalms out there? Mm -hmm. And he said, he cited Psalm 32, 51, 143, and then calling 130 one of his, one of the Pauline Psalms, right? which I thought was fascinating. Like what Pauline Psalms? But definitely when you read it, it's so rich when it talks about forgiveness, which I think is a common theme with all those Psalms that he laid out this understanding of being justified before the Lord, um, understanding of who we are before the Lord, you know, uh, without you, 
who could stand. Right. And so there's a lot of grace um, along with kind of like you're able to, you, you know, you can share things, your frustrations with someone that you love. And clearly this psalm is a good reminder us that our Lord loves us. Therefore, we can say, you know, out of the depths, I cry to you, you know, listen to me. Right. And some, you can't do that with someone you don't trust typically. Yeah. Um, but here he does. So any, any thoughts on general themes on Psalm 130? Yeah, actually, um, just following up on what you were saying, you know, I think part of what Luther was getting at is that, you know, if you, that if Paul had written some Psalms, we can imagine that this is what they would have been like. It's, it's almost <laughs> like uh, what the kind of Psalm that you would imagine Paul writing, because there is such a clear focus on, on sin and grace, um, on salvation by grace alone. Um, and so I think it's uh, just as Paul's writings were, you know, had a very special place in Luther's heart because of uh, what it had meant for him when God finally revealed the gospel to him there, um, that finally he was brought to, to a point where he could find comfort in Christ. That just as he found that in, originally in Paul's writings, that he can also then see that in certain Psalms and with one Psalm 130 being one of those where it especially does stand out. Um, and I think it's part of what then led him, you know, to use it as a, as a basis for, for one of his better known hymns, you know, uh, from depths of woe, I cry to thee. Uh, this, the whole hymn is, is kind of Luther's extended paraphrase of Psalm 130. Uh, it was one of his earlier hymns, but you know, the fact that he, use that as a basis for one of his first hymns, I think shows how much of a, how present it was in his heart and mind, how, that he found comfort there and wanted the whole church to be able to find comfort there. So pastor, I'm ready to dig in. Are you ready to dig in a few verses at a time? Yeah. Very good. So, um, oh, I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask this. It says, uh, when in the, in the Lutheran service uh, Bible, not Lutheran service, Lutheran study Bible, excuse me, I'm going back and forth in the hymnal, uh -huh. is in the Lutheran study Bible, right before the heading, right, the heading says, my soul waits for the Lord. Mm -hmm. So that's um, a part of, of everything. Mm -hmm. At the same time, right below that, it says a song of a sense. And I've kind of heard a different, a few different ideas with that. And we've been going through a number of these recently, but any, any, what do you have on that? What is a song of a sense? What does that mean? Yeah, there's a, a group of psalms, uh, Psalms 120 through 134, that each have the heading, a song of ascents. Um, and they are, uh, so each of them has that heading and no other psalm has that heading. So uh, this is a unique group that's been brought together. Uh, they, their origins don't go back to the same time. They're written over different time periods in Israel's history by different inspired writers. Uh, but they were brought together as having something in common. One of the most uh, common understandings, which I think makes good sense, is that these were associated with uh, the pilgrimages of Israelites going up to Jerusalem, ascending to Jerusalem uh, for the religious festivals, and that these would be psalms especially associated with those times, with those religious pilgrimages. When you look at it you know, through that lens, then you do see a, a number of connections that fit well. Uh, Psalm 121, uh, my eyes look to the hills, from where does my help come? If it's very well with somebody setting out on a journey you know, into the hills, um, trusting the Lord to be the one who carries them through that and keeps them in his care uh, through the journey. 
or uh, other, also in these psalms, we find you know expressions of of the joy of coming before the Lord with your fellow believers. Um, I was glad when they said to me, "Let us go to the house of the Lord." Um, uh, so you find a prayer for Jerusalem and for the protection of Jerusalem. So a, a number of these, the themes that we see in these psalms do fit very well with uh, with that idea of using them in the pilgrimages uh, for the festivals. And it would also certainly fit with um, Psalm 130, that as you are drawing near to the Lord, um, as you say, especially as you come, prepare to come to the temple, to be thinking then of, you know, what is my standing before the Lord? On what basis, you know, can I come before him? Should I be coming before him uh, terror-stricken? Um, how can I find comfort or any assurance that, uh, that the Lord welcomes me to come before him in this way. And so um, I know that there are some other understandings, uh, possible understandings of Song of Sense, but I think that that interpretation um, does fit well with what we see in overall in the contents of the Psalms. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's, um, it, it, it is appalling Psalm. So let's dig in verses 1 and 2, Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord Yahweh, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Pastor, this, these two verses are what is titled as an appeal to the Lord. What is the appeal that the author is doing? Yeah, he is, he's appealing to the Lord for mercy, but he's uh, he begins by... Uh, giving us some indication of why it is that he needs to call out for mercy um, with you know the opening words you know, out of the depths i cry to you O lord uh, that you know the writer of this psalm is um, going through an experience where he feels like he has sunk down deep uh, in the depths you know the word there for depths is often used to refer to deep waters and so it's like you feel like you are sinking um, and He's recognizing that he can't pull himself out of this. And so he calls to the Lord, uh, appealing to him to have mercy, uh, to hear his cry and uh, have mercy by coming to help him, to lift him up uh, from, from the depths. I think one of the um, interesting things is, is that the writer of the psalm doesn't actually specify exactly what it is that he's going through why it is that he feels that he's down in the depths there. There are some Psalms where we know, uh, say David expresses that um, he's troubled by, you know, um, the en enemies of Israel or um, somebody having betrayed him. Uh, you know, so sometimes we have specific uh, insights into what is causing the, uh, what's contributed to the experience of the writer. But here's, it's a very broad um, cry out of the depths. And uh, we'll certainly see in the psalm that this is at least part of this would be related to recognition of his sin. Um, but it, we don't know uh, what all else might be involved here. You know, we know that because we do live in a sin-filled, fallen world, that that you know all of creation is groaning, and so it affects our lives in in so many ways. And so he could be in the depths of uh, worry or fear over something in his life or the life of a loved one. Um, somebody uh, 
uh, could pray this psalm because they find themselves in the depths uh, of loneliness. Or um, uh, some of us can see this uh, calling out from the depths of depression, calling out to the Lord. Uh, but the fact that it's left fairly open kind of invites us to easily apply it to ourselves uh, so that whatever the depths are that we find ourselves in, uh, we can pray the psalm and cry out to the Lord for mercy, um, just as you know, the, the inspired writer of the psalm does. Uh, it is interesting, Pastor, too, because we might not know the context, but you almost can feel it. It's definitely a thick feeling of despair mm -hmm. because you don't cry out, at least as a human, I, most of the time you don't cry out unless there's some kind of deep despair. Like you said, maybe a depression, a loneliness. Um, and when you ask the question, it's much like when we all go through anxieties, fears, whatever it might be, there are times where you give a special request to whoever's with you. Can, can you just, I, I need you to listen to me right now. Like I don't, I don't need words. <laughs> I don't need anything in return. I need you not to be on your phone. I, I know it's late, but can you please stay up, stay awake? Can you listen to me now? And that's why I think the words, let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy is so powerful because this author um, is is knowing is is calling on the Lord to do this and to listen because he needs that listening ear and he needs to get this out and he trusts the Lord to do that. Uh, any any thoughts on that in in in, uh, in pastoral care in the church in our in our own lives as Christian people? Yes, I think it's it's um, it's a great encouragement to know that the Lord welcomes um, our coming to Him and being honest about whatever it is that we're experiencing. And I think this also gives a certain reassurance to Christians that um, sometimes, you know, people can get the idea that, you know, if you just have a strong enough faith, then uh, then things won't get you down, you know, that you'll be able to kind of uh, be up there above it all somehow. But to, to find in the Psalms, in this Psalm, you know, to find, you know, uh, an inspired writer of scripture, uh, saying that he goes through, he's going through the same experience, you know, that it's helpful to see that, okay, it's not uh, the fact that I'm feeling down in the depths and I'm struggling to get out of it, can't get myself out of it, to know that that's not a reflection of, uh, that doesn't mean I have a weak faith, for example. Um, and so it's an encouragement both to see, we're encouraged by the example of the psalm writer, that he was sharing this about himself, but we're also encouraged by his example of going to the Lord for this, uh, knowing that the Lord welcomes um, our pleas, um, that, he's, that he does have an attentive ear for us and is, is eager to give us his mercy. Um, along the same lines, actually, we, one, th one thing I ahead. would add along that is, is you know, we know also that when we call out to the Lord uh, from the depths, we're also calling out to a Lord who himself has experienced what it's like to be in the depths. Mm. You know, um, mm -hmm. When Christ, you know, came and joined us in our humanity, um, he knew what it was like to be sunk down in in the depths of, of sorrow, um, of agony. Um, when he was in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, he, you know, he said, "I'm sorrowful," you know, to the point of death. And so, um, to know that we're calling on somebody who understands what it's like um, to be brought down that low—that's that's a very reassuring thing too. Um, 
And we also, we do see then with Jesus that he does just like we see in the Psalm, that when he was sorrowful to the point of death, what did he do in Gethsemane? Uh, he turned to his father in prayer. You know? And so we see a great uh, example in Christ of, of, of the same acknowledging uh, the, the depths that we may be brought down into, uh, but then uh, turning to the Lord, you know, uh, calling on him for mercy in, in those situations. This, I mean, this brings me back to our beginning of looking at the psalm, Psalm Psalm 1, when Dr. Seleska, Tim Seleska from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, did exactly what you said, is that you, you first of all, you, you have yourself, you, you feel what the psalmist is writing, and then secondly, we are able to see Christ, because when we're praying this, we see Christ in the depths, in the garden, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. He, he knows what it means to be alone, as you mentioned as well. Mm -hmm. um, he knows all those things. So this, this prayer was Jesus's prayer, but also then, therefore, we are able to pray with more boldness, knowing our Lord has been through the same thing. Um, Pastor, we have about a, a minute left before our break. Any, any other thoughts on those first two verses? Well, I think one last thing I would point out is that just clearly the psalm writer does have a confidence that this is a merciful God. You know, he knows that, um, you know, God, when, when God described himself, you know, he said that he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. So he's, he's able to look and say, there is something I know about this God to know that he welcomes uh, people like me. He welcomes people in circumstances like me um, that he actually wants to give me his mercy, um, that he is somebody to call on who, because I know he does want to help. And so um, there's a certain importance there of reminding ourselves, you know, what this God is like that we're, we're coming to, uh, that he is one who welcomes us and who loves us. Well, let's talk more about that on the other side of our break. We are studying and praying Psalm 130, 131 with Pastor Aaron Stinnett, and we'll be right back. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 130 and 131 with Pastor Aaron Stinnett of Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Now, Pastor, there, there are so many riches in Psalm 130, but we have to keep moving forward <laughs> because we have a whole psalm and another psalm to get through. But right now, we are truly understanding, uh, have with a glimpse, I should say, of the author and where they are. And verses 3 and 4 gives us even more understanding, not only of where the author is, but also of this God of whom he is pleading with. Verses 3 and 4. If you, O Lord Yahweh, should mark iniquities, O Lord who could stand, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. 
This part of the psalm is very familiar. We have it in part of our liturgies in the Lutheran service book. And, and it gives us an understanding of where this author's coming from and also our God. And what does it tell us in these? I mean, only two verses, yeah. but it tells us a lot. Yeah, he begins by expressing, um, by recognizing our need for forgiveness. And then looking, then turning to uh, what the source of that forgiveness is. Yeah, so he begins with um, you know, recognizing our need before the Lord for his mercy and grace. You know, when, he, when he says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? You know, he, he's not asking for a show of hands, you know, who, who could do that? It's, it's, it's a rhetorical question, making clear that none of us you know, could, could stand before the Lord, withstand the judgment of the Lord. If um, we were standing before a God who was keeping a list of our sins, uh, just waiting to bring them out uh, against us, um, that if, if that's the basis on which we were going to be judged, then none of us could stand. Uh, as, we, as Paul says in Romans 3, there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he acknowledges our, our complete uh, dependence on God's forgiveness, our need for forgiveness. And then in verse 4, acknowledges that uh, that with the Lord there is forgiveness. Um, so that uh, this forgiveness um, that we could never earn um, is there for us in the Lord. Um, that he is a forgiving God. He is, a, um, we know in, you know, in first Corinthians 13, the description of love, it says, you know, love keeps no record of wrongs and you know, our God who is love, um, is not a God who is there keeping a record of our wrongs, waiting to hold them against us. Instead, he is a God uh, who is, uh, who wants to give us forgiveness even more than we want to receive it. Uh, so with him, there is forgiveness. And so, uh, he's reminding us, you know, giving voice to both what we need and the fact that we do know where to find it, that it's there for us with the Lord. Um, and it's, like I said, this is interesting because it is in our liturgy and it uses that word feared, mm -hmm. which in our world, and that kind of means you watch, you like watching thriller movies so that you'll be fearful mm -hmm. of before you go to bed or something. And we say this in our small catechism, you know, we should fear and love God. And that can be very misunderstood. So, okay, I'm forgiven in Christ. So why would I fear God? I should be peaceful. I should have a quiet soul that we'll see in Psalm 131. What do you, what do you think the author is speaking about with fear in the context? Yeah, that's a great point to make. Because I think, you know, as you said, when, when we hear the word fear, uh, we tend to think of being terrified. Um, but it really wouldn't make a lot of sense to say to the Lord, you know, with you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, I'm terrified of you. You know that that wouldn't fit. Um, but so, biblically, the, the fear of God has um, different shades of meaning depending on. Uh, you need to look at the context that it's being used in. Sometimes it is talking when it speaks to unrepentant sinners. Then there is a warning that we should be fearing the Lord's judgment um, as long as we refuse to repent. So the word is sometimes used in that way. But very often, you know, particularly when when the Lord is speaking to His saints, you know, to His redeemed, forgiven people, uh, it's used in a different sense of referring more to uh, a reverence, um, an, an awe for the Lord. You can think one way to think of it is, you know, if you think of somebody trembling, a person might be trembling because they're terrified, or they might be trembling because they're in awe of what's what's before them. And this is more that good kind of trembling. It's 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 a it's a positive reverence for the Lord. It kind of amounts to saying, you know, um, 
you know, I know my sins, my need for forgiveness, and the fact that you, God, are so forgiving that you will forgive all of this uh, astounds me. You know that I am left here in awe of you that you are such a forgiving God. Um, it gives me great reverence that you are that this holy God is also a forgiving God. Um, it's kind of you can think of it as uh, kind of an expression of saying you know that that we are amazed by His grace. Yeah, you know, that, that's that's what the psalmist uh, is expressing here, and it's something that we should be able to join in. You know, it, it can be easy sometimes to take for granted uh, the forgiveness of sins. Partly, you know, uh, especially if you're somebody who's been hearing it your whole life, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. It, it can be easy to take it for granted, but um, when we step back and see, you know, um, our complete um, need, uh, dependence on this forgiveness, our complete unworthiness mm-hmm. of forgiveness. Um, the price that our Lord paid to be able to give us this forgiveness and the fact that he then gives it to us uh, for free is, it really is an astounding thing. It should fill us with reverence and awe, and uh, which is then described as uh, as fear, but not in the fear, not in the way that we usually use the word today. Yeah, but but uh, it really is uh, being amazed at what a gracious God we have. Definitely an awestruck mm-hmm kind of feeling from what I'm, what I'm hearing you say. And yeah. that's something I've, I've always thought about. There's a, uh, I know Dr. Uh, Charles Aaron would, would talk about that. Uh, it's a fear of God can do what he's going to do, mm-hmm. but yet he chose to do it to forgive me. Yeah. He's, he spoke that in that language. That's not a direct quote mm-hmm. by the way, but it, but it was definitely that feel. And that really brings it together of, of, of this forgiveness that we do not deserve, but yet our Lord still gives. So let's keep moving forward. There's even more here. And actually, verses five and six, one of those I've, I've read so many times, and I've always like, I don't know if I like that part. Verse five, mm-hmm. um, we'll read, I wait for the Lord Yahweh, my soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. And Pastor, I, I want to start with this, is that, Last week, on Thursday and Friday, we were studying Matthew 24 and 25. We were studying Matthew 24 and 25. And, and there, that it's very much so, speaking about the end when Jesus returns. Mm-hmm. And the emphasis is, stay awake and wait for the Lord. And, and we were very clear in both of our guests, Pastor Greg Truey and Tyson Bibb, that we're like, I don't like waiting. Do you like waiting? And here it says again, the author's like, I'm on, I'm in the depths, but I wait and I wait and hope in his word. And to me, this is very much so a profound part of the psalm. Any thoughts on waiting and, and what the psalmist is saying? Yeah, I think I think we can all relate to what you were just expressing because you know, waiting is not something that any of us enjoys. Um, and we tend to think, you know, I've sometimes thought of that as an especially modern phenomenon that we have gotten so used to things being instantly available that um right. you know now if you know, if our internet connection is just a little bit slower you know than usual it's you know we get frustrated with waiting you know whereas we couldn't wouldn't have anywhere near, near that capacity just a few years ago you know but but it was mm-hmm. um with that in mind i thought it was interesting i was uh, looking through some of luther's comments on this psalm and he actually was speaking about the very same thing back at his time. And so it's not just a, a modern phenomenon. But uh, when I was reading that, I, I kind of highlighted this quote from Luther I want to share. He said, um, there are some who do not want to, there are some who um, 
want to set the goal and appoint the hour and prescribe to God how they are to be helped. And if they do not experience this, they despair, or if possible, they seek help elsewhere. God is supposed to wait for them, be ready at once, and help exactly as they have designed. Those who wait for the Lord, however, ask for mercy, but they leave it to God's will when, how, where, and by what means he helps them. And so um, I just thought it was interesting that he was noticing the same thing, you know, 500 years ago, that, um, that we don't like to wait. We like to be able to kind of set the time frame. Um, and as he puts it, you know, that can, that could indicate that we're kind of expecting or wanting God to work on our time frame, frame rather than us waiting upon the Lord, which must is saying, thy will be done, you know, let it be done in thy timing, in your timing. Um, yeah, this is something that definitely does not come naturally to us. Um, but that's also part of, uh, why we need to continue praying about it. Um, and so as we look at this, um, the waiting more than watchmen for the morning. And I, you know, I, I don't have a real reference point for this because more or less I, you know, I set my timer and I'm at the age now where basically I wake up way before I ever want to, um, just because of life is, but watchmen for the morning. And he says it twice. Mm-hmm. Like, what is he speaking about? Any context on that? Yeah. The picture there is of, you know, if you think of cities at that time, uh, there's no, electricity so night is a, is a truly dark time and that's a time when cities were especially vulnerable to attack from their enemies and so a city would have guards keeping watch over different portions of the night and the guards who had the final watch would be watching over those last few hours before the sun rises and you can again see what is outside the city walls um, but so it's a and and so the watchman would be eager for that time to come so he can return to home, maybe get some rest. Um, and just to be done with the, uh, uh, there is a certain responsibility of that, of, you know, it's dark, but I'm supposed to be keeping watch for the city. Um, trying to watch in the dark would be a, uh, could be a stressful thing. Um, so looking forward to that morning coming. And so, and that's something that, um, the waiting through the night, uh, looking forward to the morning is something, you know, that those who do find themselves down, sunk down in the depths, you know, can relate to because, you know, that time when you are down in the depths of whether it's worry or fear or depression or chronic pain or depression, whatever it is, um, sometimes it lasts. Um, sometimes it can seem like a very long night. Um, and you know, we, we trust the Lord and his promises that ultimately he will bring an end to all of that, but we don't know his timing and he don't, so we don't know when or even exactly how he'll bring that about um, because we know him and what he is like. We trust his promises. We know he will bring it into it. The morning will come. All things will, things will be made new for us. Um, we can receive some of that in this life. We'll only see the fullness of it um, in the life of the world to come, but but that waiting period can feel like a long night, just um, so eager to see you know, the sun rise as, as God fulfills his promises. And so that would be like the, the watchman um, with the stress of trying to watch into the dark to help keep the city safe, looking forward to when the light is there and he can rest from that, that labor. Definitely is an anticipation 
feel to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's way too obvious. Like I, like I, but you know, it takes me a while to learn these things is you think of the anticipation and this is a little emotional of a story, but you know, I remember when, when I was at my first call and we lived in the parsonage across the street and then my daughter was a certain age and, and, and she would always run to the door and I came home for lunch. And there she was at the front window, just really excited that I was there. I mean, that's just the vision I have yeah. and the joy on her face obviously melts my heart, but it also just gives us a picture of that. We wait for the Lord with that kind of anticipation, right? That kind of joy expectation that is there. And that's exactly how this author, although in the depths understands the best is still yet to come. Pastor, we better move on to verses seven and eight before we get to Psalm 131. Verse seven. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord Yahweh. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So there's a proclamation here by this by this author, um, and it's hope. What kind of hope does he tell us that we have in the Lord? Yeah, this is a confident hope, uh, knowing that the Lord is a Lord who redeems. Um we saw earlier, you know, earlier he had said, you know, with the Lord, there's forgiveness. Here he has, with the Lord, there's steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption. So um, the, he's looking forward to So when we have the Lord, we have forgiveness, we have his love, but we also will have redemption. And so that's especially what he's pointing to here. He's, he, and I would say up to this point, he's been expressing his own hope in the Lord. Now he's calling on all of God's people to join him in this, uh, to having a confident assurance that the Lord will, in fact, redeem us, uh, which include, which means to set us free, to set us free from sin, from death, and from the devil. Um, he was looking ahead in faith to God's promises of redemption. Um, we are blessed to be able to look back and see how God has fulfilled those promises of, re- of redemption uh, in his son, Jesus Christ, because um, we know that we can now say that we, in fact, have been redeemed from all our, our iniquities, um, that Christ did this as he redeemed us, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, um, that we can be his own and live under him in his kingdom. So he has done that for us. Um, and if, you know, that is what he, what Christ said he had come into the world to do, uh, to redeem is to pay a price for our freedom. Sometimes that's described as a ransom. And Jesus said that you know he had come, uh, the Son of Man had come, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, so his life was the ransom or the redemption price uh, that would be paid to redeem us from all our iniquities. And he has paid that price. Um, as he, and when he had completed that payment, uh, then he announced the good news, it is finished. Uh, our redemption is accomplished. And so... Uh, this is this verse points ahead to Christ, and we can look back with uh, gratitude and awe that, of, of how Christ has indeed redeemed us from all our iniquities. Pastor, when would be a time, as we look at Psalm 130 and move on to Psalm 131, when would be a time that you would encourage your, your parishioners, other Christian people, your own family, when would Psalm 131 be a great time to pray the psalm? Um, just speak, were you asking about 130 or 131? 130, okay. 130, sorry. Um, there are many times that it fits, especially if you do find that you feel like you are down in the depths for whatever reason it might be. Um, turn to this, you know, pray the psalm of the person who's calling out from the depths to the Lord for mercy and expressing that uh, that confident faith that 
our Lord, in, in fact, is merciful, and we can trust him. Um, so um, whenever you find yourself in that situation, it's something that has often been associated, it's, um, it's sometimes been associated with funerals, um, that thinking of that um, being prepared to stand before the Lord, uh, on what basis can we be confident before the Lord, that it's not on the basis of our own merits, that if it were going to be based on that, then who could stand? Um, but that our confidence is because we have a forgiving God. With him is forgiveness. With him is steadfast love. With him is full redemption. And so it, it's a reassuring thing when we contemplate then that uh, the question matters of, of life and death and why we can have confidence before the Lord. Um, that's some, actually something where... Um, uh, St. Augustine is an example of somebody who turned to the psalm when he was anticipating his own death. Uh, when, when Augustine was on his deathbed, um, he chose a group of seven psalms that he copied onto pieces of paper and had them put on the wall in, in his room uh, so that from his bed he could read those seven psalms. Uh, those seven psalms have come to be known as the penitential psalms. And uh, Psalm 130 is one of them. So that would be an example of, you know, as he saw that his life was winding down and he would soon uh, be departing from this life, uh, he wanted to be able to keep reminding himself, uh, being reassured through these words of scripture of why he could be confident of um, being able to stand before the Lord, that, it would be, that by God's grace, we can do that because he is a perfectly merciful and gracious God. He is a redeeming God. Let's continue to pray as we go to Psalm 131. Much shorter, but still a lot of riches in this. We have 10 minutes, so okay. let's get yeah. going. Psalm 131, we pray. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is, is my soul from with, within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord Yahweh from this time forth and forevermore. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. This psalm, you know, it's a song of ascent, but also it's a psalm of David. We, uh, did you have any insights on that? I, I found some ideas, but nothing really substantive that I found. Any, any thoughts on that? I guess the one thing that stands out is, you know, this is a psalm that um, gives an expression to, the, to a childlike faith. And just to recognize that even somebody who was, you know, uh, mighty in battle and a, a great king, um, could also see himself um, before the Lord as a little child. Um, it, we see a certain humility there, um, that uh, the um, which we could, you know, maybe all learn from. You know, to to not be overly impressed with you know whatever station in life we might end up being blessed with. Uh, but David's an example of that. You know, that um, that he was able to look at himself and say, "With the Lord, I'm I'm just like a little child here." <laughs> that's a great that's a great way of putting it. And so let's look at verses one and two. It is it is titled that I saw humility and quietness, which really connects with what you just said. So I'll read verses one and two. 
Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Never mind. I'm just going to read verse one. Okay. Um, I love it. My heart is not lifted up. I think that tells us quite a bit. What What do you? I guess part of what do you feel in verse one, and what what do you see David saying to us? Yeah, this is an expression of humility, um, of saying, you know, he doesn't think especially highly of himself. He's not exalting himself. He knows he's not worthy of that. And part of that expression of humility uh, comes in when he says, I don't occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Part of what he's saying is that he's recognizing that there are some things that are beyond him, uh, that there are some things that only God can understand. There are some things that only God can do. And so we can't, it won't be fruitful for us to occupy ourselves with trying to uh, figure out those things that God has not revealed to us that only God knows, or to expect ourselves to accomplish those things uh, that only God can accomplish, um, especially, say, saving ourselves or being somebody else's savior. You know, there, there are things that we know only God understands and only God can do, and we need to be content to say, I'm leaving those in God's hands. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not, uh, having such a high view of myself that I think I'll be able to figure those things out or master those things. I'll <clears throat> trust the Lord with that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, much like a child trusting their parents. And so as we look at, like you said, this is definitely a child like, um, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me is uh, to me, I, I praying this, is raise a reminder. Okay, I need to slow down because I'm not even praying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I need to slow down. And David's almost reminding himself, slow down. Let's look back to the Lord. And then he, like you said, he puts himself in a humbleness to realize that um, I'm not in a good spot here, and I need to go to the Lord. And he's probably just like me. I'm going to the Lord at step ten when I should have gone there at step two or step one. Mm-hmm. You know. Any, any other thoughts on uh, verse one? I think it's something um, I find it especially helpful. You know, it can be easy. Maybe it's maybe especially for pastors, but really for for all Christians to sometimes um, get at a point in our scripture reading where we're uh, so focused on trying to figure out the answer to a question um, that it can also almost kind of cease to be a devotional reading. Um, cease to be kind of an expression of our faith. And this is a reminder that uh, we shouldn't be so focused on trying to fully, you know, unravel the details of everything here. If that means that we're leaving behind that recognition of, hey, this this is my father who's speaking to me. This is a God who loves me, who, who wants me to come to better know him through these words. And so it reminds me actually a little bit of, there's a quote from Carl uh, Barth where, you know, and he was a very, profound theologian you know he wasn't always right but um but he was he was pretty interesting and very productive and um there's a time when a reporter from the new york times asked him you know if you were to try to summarize all of your vast theological writings in one sentence you know how would you summarize it and he thought for a few seconds and he answered um jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so (laughs) and i thought it's it's a good answer you know it helps remind us you know what really lies at the heart of our faith. And it's great to, we should want to have a, a lifetime of continuing to, to better know the Lord and to 
better, you know, continued learning from his word. We never exhaust what we can learn from there. But um, at the heart of it, there always needs to be that simple childlike faith that um, this is a message about a God who sa- who loved me and saved me. You know? Let's go to verse two on that note. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Verse two reminds me of, of a word that we will use often as pastors and in the church is a clear conscience. Mm-hmm. It's almost David is like, um, it is well with my soul as we sing, yeah. right? A clear conscience before the Lord that we're able to look out that window. It's no longer fogged up. We're able to see the clearness of the beauty of, of being in Christ. That's kind of, that's what I, what I see with this and that word calm and quiet soul really hits home. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I agree, you know, wholeheartedly with what you just said, kind of an image that came, you know, to my mind or when I was, you know, thinking through this verse is remember when I was, you know, pretty young, you know, before younger than grade school age, I remember, you know, riding in a car off on family vacations and, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the car would we'd be driving, the, my parents would be driving at night. And I remember just kind of lying down in the back seat and resting and falling asleep there. But it was just, it was one of the most peaceful experiences, just that um, I can lie here and just fall asleep here because, you know, my parents are up there. I know they're taking care of me. It was just a very peaceful, comfortable feeling um, that, um, the feeling of uh, there's, there's nothing I'm uh, fearful of right now. You know, I'm at peace. And so that's, that's the picture also then, you know, of, of you know, a child. Um, he, in this, the verse mentions a child with its mother, you know, a young child who's learned that the mother will provide. And so they don't need to be worried about if they'll be taken care of. Um, they see the mother, they know they're taken care of. And so with us, you know, we know our Lord and we know that we'll be taken care of because of what we know what that Lord is like. Verse three, O Israel, hope in the Lord Yahweh from this time forth and forevermore. Pastor, we have about two minutes left, uh, two and a half minutes left in our time. Here is another example of like a proclamation at the end, much like uh, uh, we hear in Psalm 130, hope in the Lord. Right. And it's just like a cherry on top here. What is he telling them in stanza, not stanza, verse three? Yeah, this is, and this is one of the things the two Psalms have in common, why it fits to discuss them together, is they both end on this message of calling all of God's people to join in finding you know, their hope, their, their confidence, their assurance in the Lord. Um, to know that this is, is a God who we can trust. You know, hope is basically kind of uh, a future-directed faith. You know, so it's saying, you know, basically entrust yourself in God's care. Kind of like in, in Luther's uh, morning and evening prayers, we, we see you know, like, um, that we commend ourselves, you know, body and soul and all things into his care. Um, that's what we're all being invited to do here. And this is you know, the ending there from this time forth and forevermore. Uh, for many of us, we could kind of bring back uh, the ending of Psalm 121, that the Lord will watch over your, your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And, and that's really why we can have a confident hope in him, that he, it's because he'll be watching over our coming and going from this time forth and forevermore, that we know we can um, be at peace having our hope in him from this time forth and forevermore. Pastor, when would you encourage your parishioners or your family or whoever to pray Psalm 131? I think especially when we find ourselves uh, 
worried or under a lot of stress, uh, when we are starting to feel like kind of everything hangs on us, um, to turn to this, to let this remind us that um, we do have uh, a God we can trust in to care for us and that it's not all up to us. Um, and some things that we might feel a pressure uh, to do, in some cases, those are things we can't do. Um, but we, some of those are things that are, you know, uh, too great or too marvelous for us. Uh, and so we need to leave the, those kinds of things in God's hands. Um, but I guess it's when we're feeling the least at peace uh, that um, it's great to turn back to this expression of why the Lord would have us know that he, uh, that we can be at peace, that why he wants to give us his peace. Pastor Aaron Stanett of Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Smithfield, Rhode Island, giving us God's strong word from the Psalms 130-131. Pastor Stanett, thank you for bringing us his gifts. Thank you for having me. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. Mm -hmm.